particular, it's woman's point of view, the woman's gaze, so woman painters, for instance, which is something that really didn't exist much if we go back a very long time. Um, and really the realization that women see the world, see other women in a very different way uh, compared to men. Um, which were, I think, the, the gatekeepers in the sense of, and how, you know, art was created, was created by men for other men um, to view. And, and that's how women were represented in a sense. So this is what's really fascinating for me. Hello, I'm June Hart, founder and creative director of slow fashion brand Mininet London. Welcome to our talks where we explore conscious style and the art of transformation. Today, I'd love to welcome my guest who is a brilliant designer. She's worked for some incredible brands from Vivian Westwood and Chloe to Halston and Victoria Beckham. She specializes in jewelry and eyewear, which means she has a meticulous eye for detail. But one thing that is incredible about her is that she manages to blend her creative vision with a real understanding of what drives commercial success. So without further ado, I would love to welcome Sandra Battistel. Hi, Sandra. Hi June, hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining, how, how are you? I'm good, I'm good, thank you. Great. So what I would love to know is, is just a little bit of background about um, some of the brands you've worked with and how you got started in fashion. Yes, so I started as an intern, I was very lucky, I was able to um, find an internship uh, after college uh, working at a design department of, a, of an eyewear company. Um, at the time, they were thinking of expanding their design team. They were taking on new licenses. Uh, Chloe, at the time, with the first um, eyewear collection, and then Dolce Gabbana as well. So they really needed more designers in this very small um, design department, which is what it was like when I when I started. Um, and I was there for a few years, and then I um, joined another company. Uh, to design the Vivian Westwood eyewear collection for them. Um, and uh, after a few years, I decided to travel, and my travels led me to London um, after a few years. And this is where um, my career, I think, working also directly for and within a, a brand and a fashion house has really started because, of course, London offered those, those type of opportunities. Um, so here I worked in accessories and leather goods as well as eyewear again, uh, working for, uh, for uh, sorry, uh, Victoria Beckham for quite a few years, actually more recently. Um, I am now design director for an eyewear company, managing a team of seven designers. So I actually have stopped designing professionally and I only just really do it for fun now. Oh, wow. That's that's so interesting. So um, I would love to know, you, you know, you've worked on some incredible brands. Um, it, do you have a favorite? I do. I do. I have. It, it, it is always difficult to pick a favorite, but I would say my most recent experience has definitely been my favorite, uh, working with Victoria Beckham. Um, and the reason why it, it has, it, as well as being a great experience, the reason why it has been my favorite brand is because I, for the very first time, I really had the opportunity of working um, for a designer that worked 
in designing uh, and creating for other women. So really understanding other women and designing for them. And that was very important, very new for me as well. So I would definitely say that was one of the most uh, important experiences. It really gave us the opportunity to understand other women. That That's what we did. You always had to um, sort of try and think what women would like to wear, what would make them feel good. So that was, as women, that was very, very fulfilling professionally uh, as well. I also enjoyed working with Vivian Westwood. Um, uh, and, and, and really trying to translate that vision uh, and that mantra that goes by along the lines of to create innovation and to be disruptive, you really need to understand uh, tradition and the craft that you're trying to disrupt. And that's a very interesting concept and something yeah. that had me thinking for a very long time. So I think that that has been inspiring as well, I would say. Yeah. Well, one thing that um, it really interests me is I think we all have these visions or um, uh, expectations of very, very well-known designers who are very much in the public eye. So how do you, when you start working for someone like that, how do you get rid of that? How do you leave that at the door? So I think after the initial sort of, um, you know, thoughts and realisation that you, you are working for someone that you only really know through the public eye, um, I think that, that probably lasts about a day, I would say, or maybe a few hours if you don't <laughs> work with this person uh, very often because then the swing of things work and, and, of course, the pressure and the projects that you're working on really kick in. And, and then also you start seeing the human side of this person, which is obviously the, the thing that never really comes through properly um i think and truly uh through through the media really um so it, it it is it lasts very very little and then it does become work and and any other like the same as any other relationship that you have in a in a work environment in a sense so really no different there okay do you have a, a favorite story that you can share with us from from yes Yes, yeah, so that that is um, definitely a, a few years ago. Um, I designed or I redesigned and redeveloped uh, a pair of glasses that belonged to um, uh, my design director's um, uh, late father, and uh, it was just great to bring these frames back to life. She had a, a pair of vintage but they were really rickety and, and falling apart so it was recreating something new from something that did exist but that also had a lot of memories for this person that had a story as well and just seeing her being able to wear these frames again and, and they still are her favorite glasses uh, and just just this idea that it brings back memories for her um, was just just great. I'm just it's just a really happy project that I've been able to work on. Yeah, are they, are they available? The the glasses? They are actually yes, they are available. Yes, so they're brand available. was it? Yes, this was um, when I was working at Victoria Beckham. Actually, the design director at the time, uh, working for the brand, um, had had given me these these glasses and really asked me to work on this on this little project that was so important to her. Super great. Um, so one thing that really fascinates me about you is that you um, have this real uh, touch in understanding 
uh, or, or bringing your own creativity to, to the work that you do, but then a real balance of understanding, okay, well, how can we make this commercial, especially when you're working with such big brands um, that are driven a lot by, you know, there are, there are quite serious um, volume numbers that are involved there. What do you make of, of this kind of, I, I see it almost like a tension that has always existed in society, whether we're talking fashion or film or books or music, this idea of, you know, struggling artist, creative and, you know, the, the sellouts. Um, and there's definitely a tension that exists still today, I think, especially in something that's so emotionally driven, like fashion. How do you... What do you make of this, the, the tension and the balance and being able to, to straddle both of these things? Yes, it, it, is, it is definitely um, uh, an important topic, I would say, and, and, and one that has got me thinking for a very long time, for sure, uh, because, um, and, and particularly... Um, in the industry that I work in, I, I don't work in fine arts, um, uh, which is normally conceived as, you know, the, 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 the world where you, you know, creativity and, and maybe unbridled creativity really has maybe a bit more opportunity to, to thrive in some respects, not always, uh, because there's, of course, a commercial side to it and a very important one. But definitely the idea of reconciling pure unbridled creativity uh, with commercial success is, is, is something really difficult to understand and, and how to turn that into a positive. So I think um, it's taken me definitely a very long time, but I think I managed to find a balance in, in some respects. And the idea is to replace commercial success for sure with uh, the ability to empathize with people. So it is, I think, very rare that you only really design, create, produce music, art for yourself. The 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 vast majority of times you are really producing for other people. So it's that idea of replacing the concept of, of, of selling to someone else with uh, creating with, for someone else uh, with, with, you know, who they are and what they may like in mind. And yeah. I think that, that it really enables you to create a balance and also to live with this idea that, you are creating something that needs to be sold in a sense. So it, it, I think it's replacing it with something a little bit more, um, how can I say, a more elevated thought, a more positive one as well, rather than, than a purely cynical one in a sense as well. Yeah. So designing for others uh, yes, and okay. enjoy and to embrace your designs. Yes. Um, that, that's what's been the idea, the prevailing idea. For yeah. Me. I mean, it's um, it's really the heart of of my new other business, which is um, Beautiful World Collective, which really tries to to marry this idea of how do you you know build an aspirational brand long term, and whilst that's happening, you as a creative, as as a creative entrepreneur, you need to have that built on a you know a solid business model that actually allows you to thrive and to continue creating. Um, because of course that doesn't just come from you know it doesn't come from air the, the you know the idea the creativity might well be in your head but to actually create something you you need to be able to do that um, and and that takes you know um, it, it does mean that there needs to be a solid business underneath that whilst you continue creating and building um, and and I love one thing that you've you've mentioned before about you know how can we replace this idea of commerciality with creating a connection. 
Um, and, and really that should be the, the kind of the channel or the, the way that we view this. And if you, if you start thinking, well, how can I connect with people? Then actually, um, you can actually build your business on, on that premise rather than thinking about just commerci- commerciality. Yes, absolutely. I think that's, that's a very important concept. And also what I think is important is that, yes, you need to make, uh, um, to be able to make a living from it if that is your choice and your, and your decision. Uh, but you need to be happy as well with what you're doing. So it, it's also finding that happiness and that balance that will keep you going and, and enjoying what you do so that it doesn't just become a job and, and being happy also enables you to be more creative as well so really unlocking that and finding a way to be happy and to make um, to make a living at the very least from it um, is is the is the secret for sure yeah absolutely um so how do you then as a creative yourself with your own ideas of you know your own inspirations and things like this um how do you find a balance when you're working for a big name designer who will also have their own creative vision how do you find that balance yes um it it is um it's it's not it's not easy you have to put a little bit of your ego uh and your views aside and you do definitely have to uh be able to to really understand it it's again we go back to the concept of empathizing so it's it's understanding and being open as well uh towards um you know like i said understanding a brand understanding another designer as well but at the same time i don't think it would be right to to suggest that you have to put your own um creative vision your own taste uh and your own um you know your your own ideas aside as well it's it's about creating a dialogue a lot of the time so it's about being respectful and understanding the brand but also bringing some of yourself into it because we're not machines we're not robots and we definitely aside from that we definitely have a lot to contribute and like I said yes it's like a conversation um the, the conversation goes nowhere unless both sides can contribute to that conversation, of course, in different measures, because it's not my brand, it's someone else's brand, so you do always have to recognise that uh, your contribution may not necessarily be 50%, maybe it's a little bit less, but there is always a conversation uh, to be had, and it's expressed in design, in my case. Yes, absolutely. So who are some of your design heroes? Design heroes at the moment. Or inspirations. Yes, who's inspiring me at the moment is definitely um, people that haven't had a voice in the past. So I think we've, we've been used to hearing and seeing one point of view for a very long time. Um, and it's really the idea that people now, women, uh, maybe people of color, minorities, um, and for me particularly, one of the, the the ideas that I'm really interested is is definitely feminism at the moment, and just simply because women may not have had 
um, a voice uh, in the past. Things have definitely changed a lot. So it's about really uh, enjoying this moment rather than, um, you know, I think, of course, you continue fighting for people to have to have a voice and to be able to express their point of view. But I think we've reached a point now where it, it's more about exploring in a sense because it's a given uh, for for most, I think, environments and societies and certainly where I live it's um, I think women have the space to to express their ideas and their views but you know you you forget that this may not have been the case in the past and so it's really enjoying enjoying the moment um, and also in arts in particular it's women's point of view the woman's gaze so women painters for instance which is something that really didn't exist much if we go back a very long time um, and really the realization that women see the world, see other women in a very different way uh, compared to men, um, which were, I think, the, the gatekeepers in the sense and, and how, you know, art was created, was created by men for other men um, to view. And, and that's how women were represented in a sense. So this is what's really fascinating for me. There is um, an artist, a young uh, artist called Lisa Bryce. Um, and she, I think it's just beautiful how she represents other women. It can be in a sensual way. It can be in, uh, you know, in, in, in everyday sort of environment. And I think that is just very beautiful because if you do compare it to how men represent women, it is definitely different. And, and as a woman, I suppose you, you recognize that. Um, and then... Um, who else is inspiring for me? Um, Elsa Peretti is inspiring for me because oh, she was able, yes, to to create, you know, minimalist jewelry, but with a certain sensuality for women, in a sense, and in a very different way than, you know, if um, you know, if a man had created, you know, this, you know. Um, aesthetic um, and around this aesthetic of minimalism it would have been a lot harsher harder probably and less I mean I'm generalizing here but I, I think maybe a little bit more um, a little bit less sensual in, in a way yeah. that, maybe that sensuality in, in a sense yeah. um, and then I like um, Painters like George O'Keefe as well. That that idea again of that sensuality when representing, you know, flowers, landscapes. Um, there's a soul to it almost. Mm. Um, so yes, those are definitely the the um, the women that have that have been, that I find inspiring at the moment, and I really like to look at their art. Uh, hopefully, one day I'll be able to own <laughs> some of it, but who knows. At the moment, I just look at it and, and just admire it. Super important question on Elsa Peretti. Have you seen um, Halston? No, it? I haven't yet. And you did okay. mention that a while ago. It's still on that to watch list. So okay. yes, definitely before before yeah. the end of summer. Uh, whilst I'm on holiday, maybe I have a bit more time. Or yes, for sure. Really interesting. I mean, it's, it's brilliant entertainment, um, full stop. But um, some of the things we're talking about, about this idea of, you know, a brand selling out, uh, you know, perceived as selling out or, you know, all, all of the kind of the licensing and, you know, the business side of it that goes on. 
um, in contrast or in tension with the, the creativity, but then also Elsa Peretti and the idea of, um, you know, the, the, the women, um, or that's how I viewed it anyway, a woman, you know, behind the scenes in, in a fashion label um, and the contribution that, um, that, that she had as well. So um, I think you'll find it super interesting. Yes, I think so. Great. And what about in your personal life? How do you view style? How do you use style in your personal life? Do you use so, it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, I do definitely think about it. Of course, I work, I work in fashion. So at the moment, what I am thinking about is movement. I, I think it's maybe because I'm um, centered, my thinking is sort of centered around, you know, how I express myself at the moment. It may not have been this way in the past, but this is where I am, I think, in, in my point in life. So thinking about how I move, how I walk, how I gesture. And so um, also as an accessories designer, I design eyewear and jewelry, really thinking about that relationship with your movement, the relationship of the jewelry you wear, uh, the eyewear you wear, how you move your head, how you walk, and how you move it is something that is definitely uh, interesting uh, for me. It's it's something that uh, it's an accent almost to yes. who you are. So that's that's the thinking at yeah. the minute. Yeah. You, do you ever use it to to kind of um, reflect your mood or, or to kind of present yourself in a different way to bring out something else that's yes for sure mood mood is is definitely important you know you can uh, I mean I suppose you know one one day you're a bit more uh, maybe a little bit more centered a bit more um, how can I say uh, compose it depends on what you're doing so there will be something that either offsets that a little bit so that it doesn't become too uh, monotematic in a sense uh, and the idea of really creating uh, a little bit of variety in, in what you're wearing and, and how you express yourself uh, but th yes definitely moods but also like I said how you move and how you express yourself is, mm. is definitely very important. Great. So in the design work that you do now with your team, um, I mean, the whole industry is obviously moving towards sustainability, which is, you know, had, you know, the, the industry has had so much more, um, uh, there's, there's a lot of fire going on in terms of how can we all, you know, get, become more sustainable. And, and there's a race there. How do you, how do you work with this, with your design team? So first and foremost, I think it's great that now this is a conversation that is no longer in the fringes. And and, and as a designer, I have to say, uh, for many years, designers have been thinking about this. It's always been in the back of, of our, our minds, the fact that we, we create so much and that um, inevitably a lot of that goes to landfill. And we've never really felt, I, I can say this, uh, you know, in general terms as well, I've, I've worked with very many designers uh, throughout the years and it's always been a concern for designers, for sure, um, and, and, and a worry and something that we never really felt comfortable with. But of course, uh, I think times are changing now. In the past, it was always about profit first, profit before anything else. Um, and, and now the, the, the dialogue and the thinking has definitely shifted. And I think this is enabling designers to feel more comfortable in having those conversations, which in the past would not have been acceptable, I think, particularly in certain environments, the most conservative 
or bigger industry, bigger companies as well would not have been comfortable in having those conversations. Um, so in my team, like I said, I, I am a design director now. So I, I, I manage a team of, of seven designers. And um, uh, as recently as last year, we've actually replaced trend researching, which is a big component of, of what we do before we start designing, with actually educating ourselves about sustainable options. What can we do to become more sustainable in the process, in the materials that we use for our design? So th that, that has been a big shift. It's something that I would never have been able to probably implement in the past because it wouldn't have been seen as acceptable maybe a bit too radical um, but now it's something that we can comfortably do do and, and and the company company accepts that and and also we can talk about it with the brands that we work with and and there's a, a general appreciation uh, of that I would say uh, I also understand that sustainability is a is a very complex topic as well there's a lot of greenwashing uh, mm -hmm. at the moment and certainly what my team and I really thrive to do is to really um, avoid the trap of greenwashing so uh, cutting corners and really finding uh, easy solutions because there is no easy solution unfortunately I think this is what we've all come to to realize um, what's interesting to me and I think one of the concepts and the, I think the, um, the, 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 the ideas that have been most interesting for me around sustainability is definitely the circular economy, using less virgin materials um, and the idea of recycling, mending, mending um, uh, upcycling and, and really increasing the longevity of the product that we design but also when this is not possible, uh, thinking about what can we do to, like I said, avoid using virgin materials and really creating a cycle where things can be reused and, and, and definitely uh, in an ideal world, preventing products ending up in, in, uh, from ending up in, in landfill. Yeah. yeah, I think it's super interesting, and you know, the more, um, especially big brands that that you know start having this conversation, I think it's super important. But I also that the greenwashing, um, it's so prevalent that that you know, I think it's so important to understand that we're just at the beginning of this journey, and we don't have all the answers. I don't think there is any one brand that is sustainable, you know, one hundred percent sustainable, um, because we're just not there yet. The industry isn't there yet. Yes, the infrastructure isn't there yet. I think in the process of educating ourselves, which is this process that we've been through, and it's ongoing for sure. I don't think it's going to come to an end any anytime soon because there is so much to learn. And there's so much development as well that is happening, uh, not just in terms of the materials that are available, but the infrastructures as well that enable you to to recycle the materials, to to upscale them, or, or really to um, uh, you know to, to to increase the longevity of of the products. I think this is really early days, so I don't think people should be beating themselves up too much about the the you know failure. Failure is is also something that I definitely uh, embrace within within my team because without failure, I think we will not 
not reach a point where we can become truly sustainable. And it's really understand that this is baby steps and, uh, and, and we will make mistakes. Everyone will, for sure. Like you said, quite rightfully, there isn't a brand that is 100% sustainable. Um, you can't be, but, but the idea is that we, we're thriving to, to get there. Uh, and along the way, there will be uh, hurdles, there will be mistakes, but the, the intention, uh, the good intention is, is definitely there. Yeah, absolutely. This has been great. So thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to us today. Um, if people want to know more about you, where can they go? Yes, so I have an Instagram presence and that is iSpectable. That's the... Uh, that's the below. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today. I've, I've loved learning about your design inspirations and how you work with your teams and, and, and the, the insights into some of those fashion brands has been, has been great. So thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. And thank you so much for watching. If you'd like to know more about conscious style and the art of transformation, please go check out the website, minionettelondon.com. And if you enjoyed this video, I would love it if you liked it, shared it and subscribed. Thank you so much. See you next time.